boom, we live. PR in the house, guys, 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 guys. I need y'all help, right? I need all of you guys' help right now because I'm really, really blessed and so excited for our guest tonight. Um, without further ado, you guys already know my man Zach Hogan is in the building, my guy. Honestly, this man gave me one of the first opportunities that I was like really, really nervous for. I got to go on his go live session like two years ago. It was a minute ago. And I just remember how cool that was for me, you know, to be on the platform that I learned so much from. And this is one of the guys that honestly I tuned in so much to every single day. And still to this day, I'm tuning in because this guy, I don't know about you guys, but just his energy, his presence, and, you know, especially the way he speaks, it just brings me peace. It brings me a lot of peace and it helps me with my anxiety. I know, I don't know about y'all, but, you know, being in the markets, trading, doing this thing, you know, it can get crazy sometimes, right? And this guy really honestly helped me to just like be calmer in the market, see the market with markets with a better perspective. And, you know, I'm so, so excited for him to be here tonight. Let me pin our videos here so we can get this show on the road. I think this is how we do it. Add pin. Boom, there we are. Zachary, my man, how are you doing? What's up? I'm doing terrific, Jordan. I'm definitely excited and grateful to be here with everybody. I've been looking forward to this one. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this one. And, you know, honestly, it's been such an incredible journey. I remember that go live session because I was actually in Cali when we did that one. And I remember we were in the backyard, we were by the pool, we were with some of the squad. And it was an incredible time. You know, and, and just really thinking about how much everything has evolved between then and now, not just within the crypto space or, or I am, but within life. Like, it's incredible. There's been so much progress. It's like we took that quantum leap. So I'm definitely grateful for the opportunity to be here to share some knowledge and to have this crypto talk with you. Because in my opinion, you are one of the most consistent and one of the most knowledgeable people that I've had the ability to converse with on the topic of digital currencies and everything that's been developing in the market. So definitely have been able to learn a lot from you as well, from the different things that I've observed, some of the content that you put out there. If you're not following Jordan LaSavage on YouTube yet, you definitely need to go smash that subscribe button because this man has a abundance of knowledge and we just keep learning. We keep growing. So definitely grateful to be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's what we're here for, guys. You already know the vibes. It's Friday night. We're hanging out. You know, feel free to relax. Enjoy yourselves, guys. And we're here to learn as well. That's the awesome part about this community. And what I love so much is just that, you know, like Zach was saying, that lifestyle, hanging out with your friends in Cali and, you know, talking about cryptocurrencies. Like, that's what we do. And we're so blessed. So I'm excited to be here, guys. Drop us some threes in the chat for our man, Zach. Yo, just for grateful for you to be here, man. And, you know, I got a few questions lined up for you, my man. And I actually shifted this first one on you. You know, I was going to ask what's your favorite crypto, but everybody loves Bitcoin. So I don't want you to have that. As <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> what's your favorite altcoin? Okay. So this one, super special. And it's one that we've been talking about for quite a while. Sandbox. Sandbox game, it is number one in my opinion because I'm a gamer. Like it's true to my heart. That's been me. It's been a core part of my being. And when I discovered that there was actually blockchain-based 
video games. It just blew my mind. And what's so crazy is that when we think about at the core of what digital currency is all about and what the crypto space was looking to accomplish, it was giving power back to people. And with all the video games that I've ever played, I don't know about anybody else that's on here. If you're a gamer or maybe you have friends that play games or kids that play games or, you know, whatever, but any of the games that I'd ever played, I never actually owned any of that content. All the hours that I invested, all the progress that I made, it really wasn't mine. Like there was that illusion that it was mine, but having a project now like the sandbox game, you know, it's not the only blockchain based video game that's out there, but having these projects really come into such a thriving space that only continues to grow every single year and really give people the opportunity to own their creations and to own their progress and to really be on that next level of, of what crypto is wanting to accomplish like that power and ownership that just, it it resonates with me and seeing some of the things that they've already done, seeing some of the partnerships that they have on board, like there, I could go on and on and on. We could have an entire stream about sandbox game, but that in my opinion, uh, right now at least is my favorite project. Hands Uh, down. I think you really just opened my eyes to, I think the value case of, of those things. I was immediately thinking like, you know, owning your data or owning your, you know, the achievements you've gone through and you've worked all that time and put into, I think of games where something like the power got turned off or I lost my card and, you know, and the <laughs> progress is wiped. So if I, if I understand that, right, is that, would, would that prevent that from happening? Yeah, a hundred percent because it's, it's minted onto the blockchain. Yeah. And as we know, once something is minted onto the blockchain, the intention is for it to be irreversible. And to be able to be verified by everyone that you own that asset, and NFTs, I mean, they're 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 the, they're the wave right now. <laughs> like we we already see lots of influencers talking about it. Uh, this is something that we're just going to see more and more from sports teams to, to everything getting involved with that ability to really own something, whether it's a moment in time, whether it's a creation, whether it's music, whether it's art, whatever it may be, why should gaming progress be any different? Yeah. And I think it hits it right in the head of digital sovereignty of like taking ownership, taking control. Like that's the whole point. And, you know, it reminds me a lot of that. Have you seen the movie Ready Player One? Oh yes. I'm ready for Ready Player Two. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I'm kind of kind of transitioned into one of these questions. Like, what do you see as the future of crypto? Where do you see like this industry going? And especially with, you know, NFTs and gaming. So I really like to look at it from the perspective that digital currency, cryptocurrency, this whole idea of everything being digitized. I mean, it was already in the works from even before Bitcoin, because like, if we think about it, most of the time, I may, be, I may be an exception. I actually like to keep some cash in my wallet. But most people, it's like, if you really think about it, when was the last time that you used cash? Like, when was the last time that you actually went into a store and paid with cash? More often than not, you're using your credit card, your debit card. They got that handy feature now where you can just like tap 
your card to pay. And what's so cool is that around two years ago, uh, when, we, when we actually had some of those first crypto conversations together, uh, one of the things that I remember discussing was the possibility of us very shortly seeing little QR codes that you take your phone and you scan, and then you can pay from your phone. And it just, it made so much sense in my mind why that would be something that would be happening or, or on the timeline of what was looking to be accomplished with digital currency. And literally just in the last couple of months, the majority of the restaurants that I eat at and that I go to on the receipt now, when they bring it to your table, there's actually a QR code that you can scan and you don't even need to give them your card. They don't even need to come to your table anymore. They just drop the check off and you can literally pay from your phone, whether you're splitting the, whether you're splitting the check, whether you are paying for all of it, adding your tip. And so it's really just like one more step towards, but why not be able to pay with Bitcoin or any other digital asset? Because currency, it's already digital. We've been beyond that. And that's what I see happening with the, the monetary and the, the daily use cases like mass adoption. But on the other hand, one of the things that I truly see, and, and I'd love to get your feedback and, and your perspective on this as well. Uh, one of the things that I really see, it, it just kind of continues on with that conversation that we started with, the digital sovereignty, people having ownership of everything whether it's something that they create, uh, whether it's, you know, not, not to go too deep into this, but I, when I was doing my immigration from the U from Canada to the United States, when, you know, I was getting married, one of the things that I had to do was get certain medical records. And, and these were records that were from like when I was a kid and it was work. Like I was on the phone calling this doctor, calling that doctor, like, where is, why is it so difficult to get access to my information? And they weren't even going to give me some of that information. It's like, okay, the mm -hmm. shift now with blockchain technology, the crypto space, everything that we're seeing evolve in front of our eyes, I really do believe that it's that shift towards having ownership of everything, having ownership of your medical history, having ownership of whatever it may be related to you because it's your life. So why wouldn't you own the information that makes up who you are? <laughs> but, but what are your, what are your thoughts? You know, where do you think, see things going? Yeah, that's, that's such a good point. And that's what I really seek to educate people on is that this is the technology that enables that because I think there's also a lack of understanding of, why would you want that? Like people don't care. Like, well, I don't know. Why do I need my record records, right? Medical records, right? Or why would I need to know, or why would I want to own my likes or my like internet attention? And that's something it's like, well, Facebook is a tremendously successful business that does what? <laughs> Takes your data and uses it for profit. So it's like, when you understand, yo, your data is very valuable because I don't think people have been taught that, that yo, what you look at, what you like, what you do and the records of all of that are very, it's very valuable information. Maybe not for you, but for the world that we live in, for corporate, um, for companies, you know, the advertising, they want that information. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's, I, I'm also of, of like the, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen because oh, 
have, have you seen the social dilemma? I would yeah. imagine that you have. Yeah. So just on a side note for anybody that hasn't seen that documentary yet, it's on Netflix. You know, you could probably find it other places as well, but the social dilemma, it really dives deeper into what Jordan was just talking about. Right. And how valuable your attention actually is, is like, it might shock you the lengths and the amount of money that people are willing to spend to even just get 15 seconds of your time. And you may not even think about it when you're on your phone and you're scrolling through and you're looking at things and you're liking stuff. And earlier in the day, you were talking about how much you would love to have flaming hot Cheetos. And then it just so happens that like your Instagram feed is advertising flaming hot Cheetos to you that same night. Like if you've had that experience and if you, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, then it's, it just blows my mind how valuable or or rather how much value people place on our time. And if you really think about it though, it does make sense because time, it's the only thing that you can't get more of. If you were asked, well, you know, Jordan, how much, how much is an hour of your time worth? you wouldn't be able to answer that. It's like you can't put a dollar amount on what that second, minute, hour, day, whatever amount of time would be. And we've, as a society, right now we're in that transitionary period of moving away from a system that was designed to create employees and people that just kind of, you create, but you're building for other people's dreams, you're building for other people's visions and you're contributing, but it's, it's not you. Like you don't own any of that. We're transitioning away from that into a society where you do have that power. You do have that control and we're all responsible for, for playing our part in making this transition happen, whether it's through conversations like this, educating one another, uh, becoming more aware Right. But the social dilemma, I know it was kind of off topic from the initial question, but I I wanted to go there because I feel like for anybody that's watching this right now, if you are new to these types of conversations, and even if you're just kind of starting to dive deeper into uh, the digital currency space and blockchain, and and even if you just got started with, with the Academy, that movie will change your perspective on how you spend your time and why these type of conversations need to happen. So shameless plug for, for the social dilemma. (laughs) No, that's why I love this. That's why I love crypto because it's like from the, from the outside looking in, I think crypto appears itself as like this like markets, you know, making money, like get rich quick Lambos, you know, but then like you dive in and you really find out why people are so passionate about this stuff. And it's because of really sensitive and important social issues like that, you know, and like, this is technology. A lot of people really have a lot of faith and believe in, belief in that can really do something that can really make a change. that can really make an impact. So I love having these kind of conversations, but I do want to kind of switch it up to go talk about the king like the one that we all talk about is bitcoin you know i kind of want to hear um or kind of would like to hear your opinion of you know the emotional market cycle and like kind of where we're at within crypto because obviously crypto has been on a crazy bull ride right we've been riding profits hopefully you guys have i mean 
it's it's pretty much up from at any point this year, right? And so everybody's bags are in profit. And so I think the biggest question on hand is like, well, when's it going to be over, right? When's the party over? When's it time to sell? So I kind of would love to hear just, you know, where you're at in your head with the emotional market cycle and where you think we're at. Yeah, hundred percent. I love the question. I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen real quick for the people that may not know uh, about the the cycle of emotions. We're gonna use this one with emojis on it because I think it's kind of cool. Uh, but but basically, what Jordan was talking about for those of you who don't know how much our emotions as humans affect the markets. If you're new to trading, I know at least when I first got started, one of the reasons why it appealed to me so much was because it was exciting to think about the fact that I could literally press a button and within hours, minutes, days, whatever amount of time, I could make money. Mm-hmm. And this was something that was completely unlike anything that I had ever experienced in my entire life. But because we are emotional beings and because the markets are a reflection of our day-to-day experiences, there are, of course, cycles, right? And every single one, every single emotion that's on this list, optimism, excitement, thrill, euphoria, complacency, and then getting down to the, of course, downtrending cycle of anxiety, denial, fear, panic, anger, depression to eventually start up the cycle again with hope, relief, and then back to optimism. You know, this is something that we see play out inside of the markets. And if we go and if we take a look at Bitcoin, I mean, obviously this chart makes it look like it's just gone straight up, which we're on a yearly chart right now. Uh, This is not the most accurate data source that we could look at. So let's go, let's switch over to Coinbase. Still not accurate. Right. This also makes it look like we just, you know, for the most part, went straight up when we're looking at this time frame. But imagine for a minute if you were that person who purchased back in here. Right. I'm sure that for those of you that have been around QC or the trade house or even just this community for, for some amount of time, you've probably seen or even on your own time, the old Bitcoin chart where we went from almost 20K down to, you know, 3,000. And for anybody out there that would have been purchasing up in here, riding that wave of euphoria, by the time that we got here, I'm sure some people were angry, (laughs) right? And I know that there were a lot of people out there that, went through that emotional cycle. And and to be completely honest, there were a lot of projects that I had my eyes on back then too. Perfect example. If we look at, uh, you know, this is an exchange that a lot of people use, but KuCoin, a lot of people don't know, they actually have their own token. And I remember back in, you know, that last emotional cycle when Bitcoin was booming, it did the same thing, right? We go and we, experience that wave of emotion. And this happened in a very short amount of time. But as the market came back down, a lot of the time when you reach that point of panic or anger or depression, you tend to want to move away and almost forget about it. Like you want to put it on the back burner. And I'm not sharing this to say that like I got burned with with KuCoin shares or anything. Like I own some, I got rid of them. It is what it is. 
but I forgot about it. And I just kind of put it on the back burner. And it's like, I literally saw someone plug it in the QC crypto chat today. And it's so crazy because I forgot about it. And we can see what it did. You know, it peaked, it popped, it dropped, it kind of chilled, went all the way back down to like 50 cents. And within the last couple of weeks, I mean, it's absolutely exploded again. And it's so crazy because we see these cycles happen again and again and again. And this is one of the only markets in my entire experience of being involved as a market participant that you're able to see stuff like this happen on, on such a big scale, but in such a short time frame. So coming back to your question of where might we be for the emotional cycle of Bitcoin, uh, let me just go back to the chart so we can kind of have, you know, have a visual. I, I got every Bitcoin chart marked up, <laughs> but where, where we could be, okay, within the cycle of emotions, if we think about how this happens in waves, for anybody in here, whether you started trading in 2017 or 2018 or not, at that point in time, what was the conversation? You had everybody talking about Bitcoin, everybody talking about crypto, everybody talking about what it was going to be. And naturally, in any market environment, you're going to have people that were able to position early, right? people that were able to really get ahead of the trend. And I wouldn't even call them early adopters. Like These are just people that they're, they're in the know. <laughs> like they, they obviously know something or they've been introduced to information that most people haven't even considered yet. Now, okay, if we, if we kind of bridge that timeline between the conversations that were happening in 2017, 2018, and we make that connection to where we are right now, in my personal experience, with everything that happened, Okay, between these old highs within the valleys, the old peaks, to us now being at this new all-time high, I truly believe that we're just scratching the surface and we're starting to get into that excitement again. Because a lot of people, the first time around, you know, yes, people got burned. Right? People got a bad taste and some bad experience if they just kind of bought in blindly listening to their Uber driver that's like, yo, you should buy Bitcoin. And you don't even know what it is. It was the first time you heard about it, but you heard that they made some money. So let me go and put some money in it too. <laughs> you know, like There were some people that got that really bad experience. And it took some time for that to not only heal within the emotional side of things, but it also took some time for the infrastructure to really ramp up to the point where now, not only are we seeing mass scale partnerships and mass scale adoption, not just with Bitcoin, but within the entire space, like different technologies that are either emerging now or that have been here and went through those same phases we're seeing mass adoption and even more use today than we were in 2018. In 2018, if you're in the US, you couldn't go on Cash App and buy Bitcoin and send Bitcoin and, and pay for things in Bitcoin. 
as easy as you can today. If you were, you know, in a different part of the world, Canada, for example, I know that there's like shake pay, like there are so many options now where it's become this easy to get Bitcoin. It's become this easy to get involved with the digital currency space. And now that we're at that point where it's easier to get involved, the excitement is picking up again. And I feel like things are going to continue moving through the phases of, you know, getting even more thrill, getting euphoric even as we get closer and closer to that stage where within a click of a button, you can get any crypto that you want. You can do whatever you need to do because the one thing, in my opinion, that's really, it's not holding back the industry, but it's a challenge right now. And, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this too, Jordan. The one thing that's, that's still in my head standing in the way between what this could be is the ease of use. Because even if you narrow it down to the fundamentals of how a blockchain works, and if you're sending uh, Bitcoin from one person to another, for example, if you make the slightest mistake, whether it's sending it to the wrong address, whether it's sending it over the wrong network, whether you're just unfamiliar with the platform and you don't understand that sometimes you need to move you know, once you put your dollars into the exchange or when you buy your Bitcoin directly, like there's a little bit too much for some people that aren't necessarily on that level of uh, being technologically mm-hmm. proficient. So that, in my opinion, is the next stage, right? Making it so that just as easy as you can go into the app store, find what you want, and within minutes have it on your phone or go onto the internet and literally within 15 seconds, search for whatever it is that you want. Once crypto is at that point, it's like, okay, well, what's next? Like, what is the next step when it's that easy for anyone, not only to access it, but to pay with it, to send it to one another, to, to stake it or to do like to do whatever. When it's as easy as it could be, what's next? <laughs> That's a question. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the same page. And my mind goes to like two things. I think, you know, improved technology, improved like um, user interfaces are going to really make a huge difference. But also, I think just the education, right? And I really take a lot of pride in what we do because I think the more people are educated about this technology, the better and easier it is to be used because at some level, you know, it's going to take, like you said, I think like I thought of it as like, as you know, technology, technologically adventurous people, you know, those used to be the only people that would use this stuff. Cause it's like, well, I'm about to press the button and there goes a thousand bucks. I don't really know if it's going to work, but I'm going to press it. And then it works. And then you're like, okay, you know, you get it. But yeah, it's a big step. I could see, I remember my first transaction. I was like, I triple checked the address, you know, I was reading it. I was like, all right, <laughs> I still do that every single time, every single time. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, because you know, it's like if I mess up one character, goodbye. Yeah, man. Yeah, so I I don't know. I'm like, I'm half and half because I'm like, is it just that it's like, we need it to be that complex, you know, and it's going to need to be like, you know, with an email address, it's the same thing. 
you know, if you mess up one letter of the email address, but people will figure that out, you know? And so I think it's just like, it's going to be a matter of time before, you know, everyone is using it and understands it. And it's going to come with, you know, easier to use apps, you know, technology that makes it super simple. Like, I don't know, maybe a hologram pops up and it's this lady that walks you through it. Like, all right, this is what she That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then like, after that, I think it's, it's so hard to fathom because it's like, I would imagine it being the same way when the internet was coming out and they're like, yo, this technology is super cool. Everyone can send data to each other super easily, music video. And they're like, yeah, but like, nobody knows how to use this stuff, bro. <laughs> so like, and then you try to, at that point, like try to think of Uber, try to think of Airbnb, you know, like the things that came from the internet and like explain that or hype. You know, that's what exciting about cryptocurrency is like, I think some of the best projects haven't even been created yet. Yeah. It, it blows my mind. So it's like, yeah, I'm excited. It's like, we're in the right place. I know that for sure. We're definitely in the right place at the right time. And so with all of that, um, you know, being um, where you think we're at, I guess, in the market cycle, how high do you think it can go? I think that's like the magic money question. Tim, Tim didn't really give me a solid answer last week. He was, he didn't want to. <laughs> so I respect the test of your decision as well. But yeah, I think um i'd love to hear how high you think bitcoin can go well i gotta put the disclaimer in there <laughs> trading involves risk for sure this is for educational purposes this is not financial advice and to be honest the the answer that i'm going to give you it's coming from a place of understanding the market mechanics bitcoin will go as high as there is people that are willing to buy it at those prices, right? Right now we have people and, and not just, you know, random people that there are of course an abundance of random people, but there are institutions, for example, I saw an article today um, and it was talking about, it was published on Bloomberg. And I think it was actually Bloomberg, like the organization was speculating how Bitcoin could hit 400,000 just, as a random number, that's one of the things that they were forecasting. And sure, if you go into the charts and if you start applying different technical tools and you're looking at maybe Elliott waves or Fibonacci extensions or, or whatever, you know, like whatever it is that you're doing to speculate and forecast where the price could go, I'm sure that there's at least 10 ways that you could come up with $400,000 or more. So what it really comes down to is, is, is this. There's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin that exist unless the network as a majority changes the protocol. And then, of course, there is always an infinite number of possibilities of what could happen if that went that route. But as it stands right now, there will only ever be 21 million. And there's still a lot of time between where we are right now and when all of those 21 million will, will be out in, in, in fully in circulation. So if you think about how much of an effect supply and demand has inside of the digital currency market specifically, taking a finite supply that is fixed at 21 million, factoring in the ones that are lost the ones that were mined very, very early on, on and, and stored on a hard drive that got thrown into a whatever, <laughs> thrown into a lake, thrown into a into a into a, the garbage, <laughs> and, and 
you, you see stories even to this day of like people going and looking through the dumps and trying with all of their power to find their old computers or to find those old parts that had hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin at the current price stored on it. So 21 million subtract however many are out there that are lost. Subtract however many that are out there that have been stolen and potentially are not moving, right? They're just kind of sitting there. Subtract the amount that are out there that were owned by people who at one point were alive and now maybe they're not. And, and perhaps they didn't take the steps that a rational person would take. If you're investing into the digital space, you want to make sure that if for whatever reason something happened, you had a way for either for you or your loved ones to actually go and get access to it, like backing up your private keys, making sure that it's set up in such a way where like you're securing it. But you can also access it in case something happens. So we've got dozens of Bitcoin that are out there that we will never see. Again, like they're, they're still there, but they're not really there. You can't access them. You can't do anything with them. So there's that question of, okay, well, now how many of those 21 million are actually still around between the, exchange, the exchanges, between the hardware wallets that are you know, sitting there in cold storage, between the hot wallets where people are trying to buy and sell and flip and just like day trade with it. You know, we have only so many of them that are actually still here. And if it gets to a point where we have more and more big players like Tesla, just as an example, because it's recent coming into the market and buying, I believe it was one and a half billion dollars worth of Bitcoin just a few weeks ago, as of like, as of today, this may be dated for whoever watches this at a later time, but if we have more big players coming into the space and doing stuff like that so that they can put some of their balance sheet in crypto, but also open up the gate to accept payments and, and whatnot, then it brings up the question of when are we going to get to a point where there literally is not enough in circulation that people are going to be able to buy it's easy right now to go and get it right at the market price. There's a lot of liquidity. There still is quite a lot of Bitcoin being traded every single day. But eventually, if the supply and demand shifts to a point where the supply is primarily controlled by people that just want to hold, people that really do believe that this is going to go to 200, 300, 500, a million or more, then eventually the only thing that can happen is price makes its way to those areas where people are willing to sell it and transact and do stuff with it again. So I can't say that I have a definite number of where I see Bitcoin going, because just being honest with you, you know, Bitcoin, it's, it's like the granddaddy of crypto. I'm not going to be one to try and stand in the way of that. I appreciate and I respect what it, what the, what the community has done and will continue to do. But one of the things that you said earlier, you know, we're, we're still at such a ground level thinking about the entire industry. I do think that one day we could see a project that's a little bit more, um, 
what's the word? Just a little bit more easy to use slash massively adopted, like something that actually makes sense for everybody to use because just being like hundred percent real, do I enjoy when I receive Bitcoin into my account? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But what I don't enjoy is if I wanted to spend my Bitcoin, just as an example, at a coffee shop, you know, local coffee shop that accepts Bitcoin payments. If I'm buying a $5 coffee, I'm really not trying to pay $15 in fees, right? Like it just doesn't make sense right now, at least. And that could change. But for now, I'm just, I'm working with the data that I've got. So how high it could go, just coming back to that question, I really don't know. But it will go as high as people are willing to pay. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's, Tim, I love you, bro, but that was (laughs) so much better than your answer, Tim. (laughs) But but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, um, I think you brought up a couple of good things there and like um, the different value cases for Bitcoin and what would make it go very high. And I think everybody's pretty much on board with uh, the digital gold narrative of Bitcoin. You know, this is a, a really secure and potentially the safest store of value that exists out there beyond, you know, metals and real estate. And since it's achieving that kind of notoriety, I believe amongst investors of like legit store of value, legit store of value. And the currency thing has always been up to a debate. And I've, I've kind of like personally, like as you as well, I've given up on Bitcoin as a currency and data even showed like last year, Ethereum, did in 2020 ethereum did more transactional volume than bitcoin did you know so people are already shifting away from bitcoin as a currency and i think it's it's like i think of it like gold too not a lot of people really buy and invest in gold but the ones that do do it for a very specific reason and i think bitcoin will maintain that same reason and especially in a world where you know we're seeing the the amount of dollar printing that we're seeing you know with inflation (laughs) the the hyperinflation (laughs) looming you know, I think oh, more and more investors. Are <laughs> right. I think more and more. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's like okay, we're living in a digital world. This is the best digital store of value, and I, I think potentially one day. Um, what, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think of Bitcoin becoming potentially just like a reserve currency? You know, maybe prices being denominated in Bitcoin. Maybe you don't pay in Bitcoin, but prices being denominated in it. I feel like that's a possibility. Because if we look at the current system of, of how the monetary system is structured, we have the dollar, mm-hmm. right? And that is the world reserve currency. It's, it's becoming less and less of that every single day. Like we're, we're seeing the transition away from the dollar standard as it is right now. But if you think about what the dollar is, it's not just the dollar. Like at one point, the dollar was backed by gold. Okay. So there was some inherent value being derived from something else that was being attributed to the dollar. But the dollar index now is just a bunch of different currencies, right? Like it's a basket of currency, the euro, the yen, the pound, Canadian dollars. There's different monetary systems that make up the US dollar. So to think of Bitcoin playing some sort of role in the market for the entire world where its value 
correlates with whatever currency or whatever it is that we're transacting in, I do believe that that's a possibility, right? But before we can get there, I really think that, and again, this is like a whole other conversation, but it's like, if we go down that path, would things even really be different than they are now? Because if you think about it, in order for there to be some sort of system in place where you have a, a universal currency or, or whatever currencies that are correlated with Bitcoin and you're using that to kind of get some value from, who controls that, right? Who actually makes the rules for that? Who sets that up? Yes, of course, digital currency, Bitcoin, everything, the intention from the beginning was to be decentralized, to give that power back to the people. But it's like, who creates that next step? Who creates that next system? Who determines, well, this is, this is going to be Bitcoin's fixed value and how much, how much value it gives the currency or how much it does this or how much it does that. Like, unless there's some sort of protocol created where you can tap into that decentralization and people are able to vote, you know, and, and like be more involved in a massive way, then I really don't think that that's the play just because it's like, why would, how would that be any different than what we have now? <laughs> like that's, that's how I see it at least, but I'm sure that this is something that you've thought about a lot and I would love to hear your thoughts on it as well. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it always brings up the dilemma of exactly what you said is who controls it. And it brings up the dilemma of, well, we have a current system that exists. So, you know, who would this, would that system be willing to, you know, change? Would it be willing to um, adapt? You know, and in my experience of the world, the answer to that question is definitively no. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like it, it, without going down that rabbit hole of, you know, why things work the way they were when it comes to money and who is pulling the strings. You know, I, I do, I enjoy the idea of that because I think, you know, Bitcoin is at its core decentralized. I'm an optimist and I believe in that, you know, and I, I believe that blockchain and cryptocurrencies and especially with Ethereum and what Ethereum can do with smart contracts, like decentralized autonomous organizations are the future. Like charities are the first easy money like build a charity on a blockchain it's a robot it doesn't take any profit or 100 funds go to the cost like red cross goodbye <laughs> like we don't need you anymore yeah. right and it's just like well if we can start there and the people really see that this is technology that can really do stuff like that like yo this is technology that can organize organize us on a mass scale without having to entrust politicians without having to entrust a human being and i don't know if that's messed up or that's just how we are but it's like i trust in math more than i trust in my president or whoever you know what i mean it's like i trust in math more than i trust elected officials in today's world so i would believe you know some smart person out there could figure out you know some way to restructure you know even financial markets because like yeah like forex currencies you know they're all it's who knows how many dollars are going to be tomorrow. You know, who knows the financial like policies of all of these things, but that's the thing with Bitcoin is it's, it's transparent. We do know that we do know exactly how much we're going to be there tomorrow. We know exactly all these things. And so I think it's, it's a huge leap. It's a huge, huge leap. Oh, and that's 100%. Like, like that's like, yeah, that's the ultimate with crypto, but 
100 percent. Yeah, you you spark you sparked something that I wanted to just share real quick. Um, because you know what you mentioned about you trust the math more than you trust the elected officials, just as one example. So if you think about it, the math today, at least within recent, you know, looking at like the last couple of elections in one part of the world, just as an example, the math works out where. 51% of the people are happy and 49% of the people voted for something else. So it's like, there's really not that True. consensus when it comes to something like the political world where everybody is in agreement and everybody is happy. So it's, it's really fascinating because there was a question in the chat a little bit earlier ago, and it said, I would like to know your opinion on the possibility that money from perhaps international crimes could be laundered through the blockchain. And of course, there are certain blockchains out there that are designed to be private. But if you think Bitcoin is private, you are you need to do some research. Like Bitcoin is one of the most transparent blockchains that have ever that has existed today. And I know that a lot of the, the a lot of the time when you hear about Bitcoin, you think, well, you know, how how could anybody know that like that's me or I have this much Bitcoin or or whatever? But it's like if you really think about it, the way that the public ledger has been designed, no matter where you live, you can start to connect the dots of transactions from one point to the next and eventually come to a conclusion within reasonable certainty of who owns what or who has been doing certain things. So with, with that question, like, yeah, of course, you can use blockchain technology to commit crimes, but you can use the US dollar or any other currency to commit crimes even easier mm -hmm. because there's no, there's no paper trail. If you're just doing stuff in cash, it's like, well, good luck. <laughs> you know, the amount of crimes that go undocumented with, Fiat currency, I'm sure, are much higher compared to the blockchain transactions. And, and, and it's just what excites me, just to kind of continue the conversation forward, some of my trading partners, they always ask me this question. What if Bitcoin were to go to a million? You know, what would it take? Where, where would it need to be for you to finally be like, okay, like I'm going all into it? And the way that I that I would the way that I see it, like I'm already all in. I may not be all in on Bitcoin, but I'm all in with the technology because if Bitcoin wins, if Bitcoin goes to a million, then technically speaking, all of the projects that I've invested into that I believe in and all the research that I'm doing, those should win too because of the correlation that exists within the markets. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same thing with every other market that has ever existed. If mm -hmm. one thing wins and one thing thrives, technically speaking, the projects that are actually making a difference, that are genuinely putting forth progression, have a good team, have a solid foundation, have a clear vision of what they're going to do and why they're doing it, they should win too. So it doesn't have to be, just be Bitcoin, you know? Mm -hmm. I want Bitcoin to win because as it continues to win, that's going to have a natural effect on everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> totally in agreement. I like, 
I think I sometimes I look at Bitcoin as like a big black hole. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it sucks you in, and then like it's the way that everyone gets introduced to this digital world, this digital crypto thing, and like you learn about Bitcoin, then it opens your eyes to everything, and like you know all these people putting their money in. All like these big companies buying it. It's just like I think that's what Bitcoin's going to continue to do in my eyes is just to eat up more and more of the old money, the old systems, and that's just the doorway into the the digital world of all the other cryptos. Yeah. And so, I have one more question that I love asking people, and I think me and you maybe touch on this a little bit, you know. And it's it's just uh it's an, it's probably the best I think talking point in any crypto conversation because at the end of the day, it's it's like who, what's God, right? It's that question in crypto. And if you guys already know what I'm talking about, I, I want to ask Zach, like, who do, who do you think Satoshi is? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we get to that, we're going to do a quick, I'm going to share the screen again quickly, because who doesn't want to see a bunch of apes in a Lamborghini? I think, <laughs> I think, that, I think that this is an appropriate time to, uh, to roll the GIF it's not working, of course. So I guess the joke is on me. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pull the gif up again in in another tab. I don't know why I did that. I want to see apes in a Lamborghini. All right. <laughs> so it's supposed to be moving, but you can see there are a bunch of apes in a Lambo right here. <laughs> Let's try this third time's a charm. There we go. They're rocking out. They're in the Lambo. I feel like this is a great way to kind of segue into the who is Satoshi Nakamoto question, because it's one of those things that does it even really matter? Like at this point, does it really even matter? Like, sure, there are conspiracies out there of who it can be or, or who that, who it is, but and yeah, it's a McLaren, not a Lambo, my bad. <laughs> but it's like the one thing that comes to my mind is this, you know, it's like, if you think about it, what if it was a government or what if it was certain people within various organizations coming together and creating this project through a certain level of uh, anonymity, right? Like it really, in my opinion, it doesn't matter who Satoshi is or even multiple people. Like, I don't think it was just one person. I feel like this, even from what we've seen publicly documented, something like this requires a team. The bigger question is, how does this play into the agenda? And how does this play into the world that we know and the world that we live in? Because if, okay, and I'm not 100% sure how the quote goes, but it kind of comes back to your daily interactions at like a grocery store for example, you're going through the aisles and depending on where you shop, you know, I know for people that are a little bit more um, conscious of like what they're choosing, you may be shopping at different places. But if we think of a big brand store like Walmart or Target or Kroger or, or these various places that are just kind of a little bit more generic, it's like you're walking through the aisles to the left, to the right, you've got all of these choices. But in all reality, most of the time, even though you have this illusion of choice with hundreds of different items, they're all owned by three or four companies. And so you've got 20 different brands owned by two companies, 20 different choices 
given to you by the same person. So what if this was created as that gateway to test where humanity is at in, in our consciousness and if we're ready to really take that next step of responsibility towards taking ownership of the planet and taking ownership of, of our money, taking ownership of, of ourselves, right? What if this was that test? Let's see how they react given all of the different powers that are involved and all of the different forces that are out there looking to impose certain limitations, looking to give certain belief systems to us. And, and I know that this went like super deep with the Satoshi question, but you know, this, this, this is what I think of when I get asked questions like this, because it's like in all reality, yeah, we could be spending all of our time focusing on, well, who created it? But it's like, okay, well, even if we did find out who made it, it's like, what would that change? Mm. Like, 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 Aside from knowing one person that's got a ton of Bitcoin in multiple wallets, right? Like what, what would really change aside from knowing who that one person or who those people are? For all we know, it was artificial intelligence that created Bitcoin. Like we really don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know. There are so many things that we don't have access to today that already exist that are already here, already being used, already, they've already been produced. They've, it's been here. Bitcoin wasn't the first time that this whole idea of electronic cash and, and, and digital technology was even introduced. Like there were other projects that tried and failed. So I think that it's really cool to, to have these kind of conversations because at the end of the day, the way that I see it is that Right now, we're at a very important time within, you know, the, the whole dynamic of everything that's been playing out since the Federal Reserve was implemented. Because as soon as the Federal Reserve was implemented, that shifted the course of history, and it started to create this workforce so that, yeah, stuff could get done, stuff could get built, kind of like when they were building the pyramids. You know, like building the pyramids, you needed a bunch of people to go and build that infrastructure and it still stands tall today, aligned perfectly with Orion's belt and some of the stars. But what's so cool is that, you know, if we think about where we are in our timeline now, it's like, okay, well, what's next? Like, I remember as a kid watching the Jetsons and thinking about how in the next 15, 20 years, we're, it's, it's gonna be the norm where we've got flying cars and we've got all of this stuff that they project to us in these movies and in these TV shows. And it's like, man, it, it's 2021 and companies are finally catching on that they should probably stop making uh, vehicles that run off of fossil fuels. <laughs> we, we are in such an interesting time and things are happening so quickly. 15 years ago, we didn't have this where we can go and tap into the markets I remember the first time I got my, my first computer when I was younger. I remember having to put one of those CDs into the disk driver and then it would boot up for like 15 minutes and make that dial tone and, and attempt to connect to the internet. Like, yeah, it feels like it was ages ago, but in all reality, it really wasn't that long ago that we were there. And so it's like we've quantum leaped in every single area. 
And just like there are a lot of questions unanswered, like, well, you know, who is Satoshi Nokamoto? It's like, whatever you focus on, that's where you're going. You're going to, you're going to find answers. It may not be the answers that you're looking for, or the answers that you want, but like one other question that I, that I like to kind of impose with this whole illusion, you know, we talked about the grocery store and the illusion of choice, but why is it right now that you think so many people are interested in like exploring outer space? Like, like if you really think about it, we got all these companies, SpaceX, Virgin Galaxy. Um, those are the two that come to my head right now. It's like, yeah, there's the story that we've been to the moon and, and whatever else, but it's like, why is there so much interest in going to outer space when we don't even know what exists in our own oceans? Like we don't even know what's here on our planet still. There's still so much of earth that hasn't been explored yet. We're trying to explore something else. So like, it just doesn't make sense. So there's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, we could, uh, we could dive into, but with the question of Satoshi Nokamoto, it's like, whether it's a person, whether it's a team, whether it's AI, whether it's, you know, whatever, I think the better, maybe not better, but a more important question is how does this technology and, and Bitcoin specifically, how it's being perceived by the public and everybody what role does it play in the next step that we're going to be taking as a society? I love that. I love how you so delicately dance around. That. <laughs> you provided so many, no, like beautifully done. Like you provided so many different perspectives of what who Satoshi could be. The perspective of we think we have a new choice. Maybe it's probably the same old, same old that's been making the choices for us. The perspective of, is this a test for humanity to go forward? Which is personally where I like to like entertain my this imagination, you know, and it's that like that unknown, you know, like aliens, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. what I got from that. It's like, because I mean, yo, the Pentagon, this isn't conspiracy talk anymore. Like Pentagon has videos on there on their website of ufos like it's not even the government now admits yes aliens are real and so i always thought that i'm like yo what if this was something and i think it comes down to just i i question it a lot because it's kind of how i see the world and it's how my mind works and i judge like what the intention of bitcoin's creation was because there the, is this the intention of getting us into a new financial system with full transparency like you said the illusion of choice and then that wasn't a bad intention that has a very obvious idea of where it came from, right? But if it was getting here to, like you said, as a ability for us to evolve and grow, then potentially it came from a different source because the intention was completely different with it. And I think, yeah, that just depends on your worldview on how you, I, I don't know, just, I love that question though, because it's like, it could go on forever and ever and ever. And I think it brings out a lot of in people of like how they see the world, you know, because it is like that well what do you what do you think is god what do you think is the universe there is nobody that definitively has the truth you know and it's just an amazing conversation point um but yeah i appreciate your input on that because that was that was awesome i gained a lot from that that was super made my mind start going crazy it kind of still is <laughs> that, that that's the whole point because even yeah. with the whole alien conversation i mean i'm sure that you've looked into a variety of things beyond just what the, the pentagon has put out there but even looking at like our DNA and, and how we as human beings are, are built our DNA. There are parts of us that do not come from this world. Like there are parts of us 
on a, on a cellular level that did not originate from this planet. You, you cannot find it anywhere else on this entire planet. And this isn't information that's talked about. This isn't stuff that they teach you in school. It's out there. It's not hidden. It's just not talked about. It's not promoted. You're not educated on it. You have to go and you have to dive deep into it. And there are a lot of great resources. I'm just going to plug Gaia because that's kind of like a all in one Mm -hmm. that you can start with if you're, if you're new to this. And if you're wondering, well, how does this even relate to crypto or, you know, like how how did we get here? (laughs) I I just want to remind you that the intention of these conversations is to encourage you to think differently, right? Digital currency, it's, a step in, in my opinion, the right direction. I feel like there's a lot of good that has already happened and even more that will continue to happen that comes from this industry. And I feel like a lot of that is because there are more of these conversations happening through various social platforms, through the academy, through the teams. And it's these type of conversations that, again, I wasn't taught in school how to do my taxes. I wasn't taught in school that there are parts of me. I wish in science class, they were like, yo, I'm going to blow your mind right now. So you think that you're from earth. I mean, yeah, you live here on earth, but like part of you originated from somewhere else in the galaxy. And to this day, maybe they have the answer to that. Maybe they don't, but it's not found here. So it's like, okay, well, where do we actually come from? Like these kind of conversations are a lot more productive in my opinion, because they allow you to break beliefs. They allow you to start thinking differently. And the minute that you can start thinking differently, even just from choosing to hop on this call and from choosing to plug in, it gets you to a point of awareness where rather than feeling like you need to follow this illusion that's being put out there every single day, tapping into the television where they are telling you what they want you to see, you can start thinking independently. You can make your own choices. You can become the person that you need to be if you really do want to level up and make the most out of your digital currency investments, make the most out of your your trading journey, make the most out of the influence and the impact that you could make on this planet just by, again, even something as simple as plugging people in and having the option to get paid to do that. Like we've got something so special and I'm super grateful because again, these type, these type of conversations, like I know that to, to somebody that if this is your first time, like you, you may still be on a topic that we talked about 30 minutes ago, contemplating everything that you ever thought you knew. <laughs> and, that, and that's okay. Like that's, if you are there, you are exactly where you need to be. If you're writing notes right now and, and asking yourself these deep questions and contemplating everything that you thought you knew, like that is where you need to be right now. You don't need to be here in this current conversation that we're having, but <laughs> For those of you that, that are following along, for those of you that you know have tuned into some of these crypto talks that Jordan has been putting out consistently with different people, for those of you that have been plugging into the platform, plugging into the value, picking your mentor's brain and just educating yourself, then what this does is again, it just equips you with 
more knowledge. It gives you more perspective. Like I realized that this is probably the first time that some of you are even listening to me. And I, I am aware that the way that I explain things is, is it's not always beginner friendly. <laughs> like it's, it's not always uh, at a, at a, at a basic level. So I do my best to sidetrack from the conversation. I, I do feel like that's important uh, because again, it just, it, it adds to it, right? Like having these different perspectives, having these side conversations as part of the larger narrative, it's literally how we live our lives. Right. If you if you live your life with that vision of life as a movie, and if you're intentional, and if you really do believe that you're destined for something more than just working a nine to five or doing the things that you're told to do from the time that you first get brought into this world to where you are today, like if you think differently, then everything starts to go your way because life, like this life, it it happens for us. Like we are here for a reason and these side conversations it's a part of the bigger narrative right the bigger narrative here being what about bitcoin what about crypto how is this changing the world what are some of our favorite projects you know there were lots of great questions thoughts about ami uh, what like do you know much about about ami jordan yeah a little bit a little bit their big thing for me is like their partnerships they like I see like licensing and NFTs, everything. So the rumored partnerships for me are really got me excited about Ami. But I just wanted to comment, Zach, you're you're amazing at doing that social side <laughs> conversation thing because like really that's I I as doing a few webinars now that I do, you know, on a consistent basis, I really have gained so much respect for the educators who do it on a like very frequent basis, like yourself, and you know, being able to take things that for you are you know, just of course, but to take them and be able to, you know, word them in a way for everyone to understand it's a true skill and you're amazing at that, man. So appreciate you being here for us doing that for everybody. I know everybody gained a lot of value out of you being here. And I had one last question for you. Um, and I, I think you kind of even just said it right there, you know, it's just like, and I'll just then can simplify this question to just one nugget for a new trader, for a new person here. One nugget for a new person. I feel like that's a great question to kind of close this off with. And again, I appreciate everybody that has tuned in, everybody that's gone through the last you know hour of conversation that we've had. I appreciate your observations as well about how we can continue to make things relatable for people. If you are new, I consider new as within your first year. Like if you're in your first year of trading, you are, you're still new, right? Just like a child in their first year of life. Yeah. They may start crawling and, and maybe even in those last couple of months before they turn one, they start making their way and attempting to stand up and, and go from crawling to walking to, you know, running that takes time. So through your journey, you're going to go through ups and downs, not just in your trading results, but in your life. There are going to be things that affect you from the outside, and it can have a reflection inside of your trading. So my advice, or, or rather my, my recommendation, would be to document as much as possible. The more documentation that you have, whether it's your results whether you are journaling 
every single day, every single week, every th- single month, you know, whatever feels good for you. Like there's no right or wrong way to do this, but the more documentation that you have, the more proof that you have for you of how much progress you've actually made from the time that you first got introduced to this information to where you are today. Because the one thing that I'm certain of is that when you look back two, three, five, 10 years from now, and you think about what you were thinking, what you were feeling, how you were acting every single day when you were first starting to learn how to trade, how to invest, how to have these kind of conversations, I bet you that there will be this much that you remember in the grand scheme of everything that you went through that shaped you into the person that you are now. So the more documentation you have, the easier that it's going to be for you to go back and really appreciate how far you've come, but also dive into those experiences that you went through and make it relatable for other people. Right. And Matthew Rosa, he says it best. If we're here to create a better tomorrow, how can we do that if we forget what we learned today? So as long as you are documenting your process and going through whatever it is in whatever stage of life that you're at, documentation is key because Your results are a direct reflection of who you are right now in this moment. If you expect your results to get better, you have to get better. And you're going to notice pretty quickly if there's a trend of your results doing the same thing, and you'll be able to start asking yourself, well, why are my results doing whatever they're doing? So document. That is my my advice to everybody. (laughs) So I like... Your voice is what's in my head when I think of, you know, trading psychology and just being in the zone when it comes to trading, like the things you say, like, and your voice, man, I just, your voice, bro, it's so calm. It's just, where's the wisdom? Like, guys, I I don't know about y'all, but that hits different. That really hit different. So, Zach, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Guys, blow up the chat. You already know. Thank you so much, Zach, for being here, guys. You can find him on Instagram at the trading coach right is it that or just trading coach just trading coach just there's, there's probably there's probably a scammer that is the trading <laughs> <Yeah>. coach <laughs> Tra- trading, trading coach. coach spelled exactly how you would think it is t-r-a-d-i-n-g-c-o-a-c-h no periods no underscores no apostrophes no double letters i'm not gonna ask you to send me bitcoin <laughs> i'm not gonna tell you to invest with me so be aware, be mindful. Yes. And... Yeah, go shoot him a follow. <laughs> again, thank you so much, man. Hey, absolutely. Make sure that uh, if this does get posted publicly, make sure you you subscribe to the channel. <laughs> and definitely appreciate you for having me on here, Jordan. I appreciate everybody that invested their time here with us. I want to wish you a wonderful rest of your life. If this is the last time that we speak, <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, what an outro, you guys. You already know. Buy Bitcoin, short the banks. Peace out, fam.